today on It's Time. We have our own concept of how God is going to do something in our life, and we have it preconceived what God's going to do. Well, this angel is going to stand on the hood of my car and tell me which way to go. Generally not. But when you see something out of the ordinary, that's when we need to pay attention of God speaking to us. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike. If you brought your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to turn with me in them to the book of Exodus chapter 3. We're looking at the life of Moses. We remember last time we were together that Moses had killed an Egyptian guard. He was found out the children of Israel could have been delivered 40 years before they were had they just accepted Moses as their savior. But you see, the thing is, rather than them embracing Moses for defending them against the tyranny of the Egyptians, they turned Moses into the federales. Moses, scared for his life, hightails it out, and for 40 years he's on the backside of the wilderness. Now, the first 40 years of Moses' life, he thought he was a somebody. The next 40 years, God taught him he was a nobody. And the next 40 years of his life, God shows everybody what God does with nobodies. I like that about God. God makes all things new. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we just ask you that, first of all, you'd bless every dad listening, that you would extend to them that hand of, uh, of, of compassion, understanding, and Lord, that we all appreciate one another, what you've done, you, Father, Father of all fathers. And so we ask you now that as we spend this time in your study of your word, may you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 3, and by the way, I think about different examples of good fathers in the Bible. And most of you are familiar with the story that Jesus gave of what was called the prodigal son. This is a guy that had two boys and they came to him. His youngest son said, Dad, I want my part of the inheritance. I want to go off to the big city. I want to be funky and free. I want to be free and funky. And so dad goes, well, son, I wish you wouldn't go. But he writes him a check and says, here you go. So he takes off and he goes. And the Bible says he wasted his life on riotous living until he was broke. And he got so broke that he ends up filling his stomach with what the pigs were eating. He was a pig pot eater. And there he was, and he came to his senses and said, You know, even my father's servants are treated better than I am. I'm not worthy to be called my, my dad's son anymore, but maybe he'll hire me as a hired hand, and I'll swallow my pride, and I'll head back and go home. 
The Bible says, and I think this is one of the greatest examples of a good father in the Bible, the Bible says his father saw him a long way off. What that means is his dad was looking for him every day. And I, I can always see that dad looking down the whole dusty road going, I wonder today if my wayward son is going to come home. I don't know what happened to him. We haven't got a postcard. We haven't got a letter. We haven't got a text message. We haven't got anything. I wonder what happened to him. Every day looking down the road. And then here's an image Somebody's walking like my kid, and he's walking down the road. And while he was yet a far, long way off, the Bible says, his father ran to meet him. That's a good dad, everyone. That's a dad that realizes your kids are going to do stupid things. And in the midst of their stupid things, that you, they, you still love them anyway. And while his kid was a long way off, he ran to him. He put a ring on his finger. He put a robe on him. He came home in his fruit of the looms. And the Bible says that he embraced him, hugged him by his neck. You know, I think there's a lot of time when, when we can hold grudges. And a lot of times, sons to their fathers, fathers to their children can do that. But I just want to encourage everybody, remember the great things that God has forgiven you for. And that in turn allows us to forgive others. If The Bible says if you don't forgive others... God's not going to forgive us. Well, you don't understand what they did. Well, yeah, God does. And the Bible tells us to forgive. He hugs his son's neck, comes back, kills the fatted calf, has a big party for him. Of course, the younger, uh, the, uh, the older brother was angry because, well, you never threw a party for me and my friends. Which is really sad because here's the son, the one that didn't leave, who owns the entire farm. His son, all, his younger son already got his inheritance. His older son forgot who he was and was jealous of his dad's benevolence towards his younger brother. And I think about that a little bit. I think, how is it that we, inheritors of the kingdom, who you and me are, and we forget oftentimes who we are in the midst of looking around saying, look what they got, look what I didn't. God says, baby, it's all yours anyway. And his dad says, what you should be rejoicing over is your brother who was dead, who was lost, is now alive. See, that's a good dad. Saw him a long way off. Well, let's go to our story in chapter 3 here. We find Moses. And we find a heavenly father dealing with Moses. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Not Jethro the Bodine, Jethro the father of his, of, his, of his wife. And the Bible tells us that he was on the backside of the desert. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire in the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, a bush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Now this is weird, friends. But there is a, such an important part of you in your Christian life here. And this has probably been the greatest impact in my life 
that I can share with you this morning, and that is this. When you see something out of the ordinary, look for God. The bush should have burned up. I have been in the wilderness. I have seen bushes burning. Am I super spiritual? No, I was up on a mountain during an electrical storm and lightning hit a sagebrush just outside of Ely, Nevada. If you're going towards Los Angeles, if you go on the 318 road, I was up there and that's where I saw a bush burning. But they burn up. The problem with this bush is it didn't burn up. It just kept going and going and going. And Moses goes, wow, that's something you don't see every day. I wonder what that is. And so he goes over to check it out. Why is this? Now, again, you may not see a burning bush today that burns without consuming, but you may see something else that's out of the ordinary. When you see something out of the ordinary, and I've told, this is one of the most important things, to have to see God in what we do. It is easy, you know, a lot of times we, we have our own concept of how God is going to do something in our life or how God's going to appear to us. We're praying, we have a need, whatever it might be. Oh God, and we're praying out and we have it preconceived what God's going to do. Well, this angel is going to come and stand on the hood of my car and tell me which way to go. Generally not. But when you see something out of the ordinary... That's when we need to pay attention of God speaking to us. Now, it comes in many different forms. And what I'm saying is this. When you see something that catches your attention, first of all, if you are a Christian, I believe God allows you to see the something out of the ordinary. Somebody else might have just looked at it and said, oh, wow, look at that. Oh, well, on with my daily business. When you see something that doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. There's more to it than you're seeing. And I believe this is one of the reasons why we need as Christians to be sensitive. Because God teaches us as his children how to see him. In the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The word pure means undiluted. If you go and you get something pure uh, maple syrup, syrup, that means it hasn't been cut with corn syrup. Blessed are the pure in heart. It hasn't been cut with the things of the world. You'll see God. How do we see God? When we begin to see things out of the ordinary, that's where we want to begin to look for God. I shared this story before. I used to go witnessing in Las Vegas. I had friends that lived there. And so we would go and we would get in a holy huddle and we just began to pray. If you've ever been down before the days of COVID, downtown Las Vegas was just a myriad, an ocean of people everywhere doing all kinds of crazy things. And we would pray and say, okay, God, who do you want us to talk to tonight? And we would pray. And now, all of a sudden, instead of having a sea of mass of people, now we would just begin to see some guy with his face in his hands sitting on a bench and walk up to him and say, hey, what's going on? Oh, I'm just not happy. And you sit down and you begin to minister to him. It's like everything else 
vanished and all you saw is this person. But I don't believe we see that in the, in the natural. And this is why this message right now is directed to Christians, not so much an evangelistic message of, hey, you need Jesus. Yes, you still do. But in order to see Jesus in this world, there's some things that we can take from his word, apply to our life to help us see it. When you see something out of the ordinary as a Christian, something that catches your attention, look for God. Moses saw this and he directly responded. He said, now I will turn aside, verse 3 again, and see this great sight, why the bush (coughs) does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, friends, that is so, do you get that? When he saw that he turned aside from what he was doing to that which God was bringing his attention to, notice it invoked the hand of God. And God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, by the way, God knows your name. I think that's important. Because we don't serve some unknown, unknown God that knows oh, some God I pray to you out beyond the outermost cosmos that's hiding behind Jupiter. No, it, it, it's a God knows our name. And friends, that's really neat. Because, because he knows your name, he knows you. And by the way, as I've shared this so many times, there's no one ever been on this earth like you. Before, there'll never be anyone like you on this earth ever again. You are unique in who you are and all the ingredients that has made you what you are, God knows. Moses, Moses, he calls him. And he says to him, here am I. I think it's a good thing to say when God calls us, we say, here am I. You see, that's really what basically Jesus, when he taught the disciples to pray, when he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what basically we say, Lord, here am I. I'm here to do your will. Well, notice he says, then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. The place you stand is holy ground. By the way, I believe anywhere where you meet God is holy ground. (laughs) It just is. And I like that. Because again, when we see God doing something, we realize that God wants to meet us. And when God shows us something, it is for a reason. Not to go, oh, wow, kind of a neat looking carnival you got going on there, God. No, the reason why we see things is because God is endeavoring, first of all, to get our attention, and second of all, to get us in alignment for his purpose, what he wants us to do. And those, he says, moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look upon God. Isn't this interesting that his response was, hey there, buddy, old pal, yeah, me and God got a thing going. When you come into the presence of a, of, of, of a living, powerful God, you go, wow, God. You know, it's interesting, Isaiah uh, chapter 6, God revealed himself to Isaiah. And Isaiah goes, Wow, God, I am undone. (laughs) Just, whoa, your presence overwhelms me. Well, notice verse 7. 
the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who were in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. I like that about God. God knows our sorrows. You ever have any sorrows in your life? Man, I've had a bunch in mine. I have more than sometimes I even want to think about. But you know, God knows those things. And, he, and, and the reason why I, I, I can take comfort in God is because he knows my sorrow. And the Bible says he doesn't have sympathy for us. This is good news, friends. He has empathy towards us. And you say, Mike, what's the difference? Sympathy is I feel bad for you. Empathy says I know what you're going through because I have felt it too. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was a man acquainted with grief. And I look at this as very encouraging because the thing is, we have a God that can understand and relate to what you and me go through. Because otherwise, have you ever tried to talk to somebody? It's like a person that's really poor going up and talking to a multimillionaire about how they're having trouble buying a week's worth of groceries. And the rich person goes, whoa, never had that problem in my life. But you see, the problem is, is that God acquaints himself. And he's a God that loves us so much, he's not embarrassed to acquaint himself with our condition where we're at. In fact, the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, why do you eat with the publicans and the sinners? And Jesus looked at him and said, because they're the ones who need the doctor. You see, God allows our pathways to cross other people's pathways for a reason. Not to become like them. Paul says, I become all things to all men that I may win some for the cause of Christ. But that we would be able to minister to them. God says, I have seen their afflictions. I have seen their sorrow. Moses, I'm sending you. Sally, I'm sending you. John, I'm sending you. Joe, I'm sending you. To minister to them. You see, the world is Egypt. The taskmaster of this world is Satan. And let me tell you, friends, he's a hard taskmaster. He is. Because no matter how much you do, it's never enough, is it? No matter how much you give, it's not enough. No matter what you try to do, it's never enough. That's the way the devil works. More, more, more is what you'll always hear from the underworld. And so you beat yourself silly trying to find satisfaction for your soul. And the devil says, more, more, more. That's the way the devil works. God hears their cry. Friends, again, I look at this not as, as, I look at you as Moses's. And I look at the world as as, as the devil has held people captive by the dangling the trinkets in some way will attract people and saying, oh, if I just get this, I'll be happy. Well... Anybody that's ever done that, you know if you do get it, you got to take care of it, and you'll wear yourself out waxing it. Ain't that true? So when we look at this, he says, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in the world. Egypt, if you look all the way through the Bible, Egypt is symbolic of the old sin nature. 
I've heard their cry because of their taskmaster. And again, Satan is an evil taskmaster, for I know their sorrows. Oh man, I'll tell you, friends, have you gone through sorrow lately in your life? I have. But you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me there's other people around me that are sorrowful because all of a sudden, if I don't go through things in my life to remind me the way the world is, all of a sudden I can, I can, I can exempt myself from the world. In other, words, in other words, too bad about you, man. But no, when I go through things too, I go, wow. The difference is you've got a God to turn to. They don't. Satan is a hard taskmaster. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land to a good and large land, a land flowing with milk and honey. By the way, that's where God will take you. That's where God will take you. If you're listening to this this morning, you're not a Christian. I want to encourage you a couple of things. First of all, we become complacent in the world we're in. We, we just learn to live with our inadequacies. And, and, and we think, well, this is all there is. This, and, and so we try our best to compensate for what we're not. God says you're wearing yourself out doing those things. It's a lot better that you just turn your life over to him. Then you're employed by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Father of Lights. And we're about his business now. To go back into a world that we were all part of and drag them out. And that's what we do. We drag them out. You know, sometimes God drags them out in different ways. Sometimes there'll be heel marks all the way into this church, all the way down to where you sat down. Because God, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go. And God says, you are, drags us. We God works. The draw of the Holy Spirit is an amazing thing. The Bible says God wills that none perish, but that all have eternal life. And so I know their sorrows. God knows those things. He understands that. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression of which the Egyptian oppresses them. Now, when you look at this, and he says in verse, verse 8, So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptian, to bring them into a good land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Prezites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. I'm going to bring them, you, into a new place. You ready to go? Hmm. I don't know if I am or not. Well, do you want to go around the mountain one more time? I don't want to go around the mountain one more time. I'm ready to go. You know what's one of the things that God does? Is through life, he prepares us to respond. (laughs) I like that, but I don't like that. Because what happens, God brings sometimes in our Christianity, never forgetting the lost world, why we're here. It'd be nice if we just accept the Lord and we just vanish out of this world, but we're here for a testament. God teaches us. Listen, we're here for a reason. You're here for a reason. 
Now, if we lose sight of God, we're going to lose sight of the reason why we're here. And I think sometimes, and this is one of the wonderful things about coming together on a Sunday morning, Wednesday night, or whenever else, God reminds us why we're here. Because I can begin to become self-focused as a pastor, as a longtime Christian, and say, well, I'm just not going to worry about all that. I'm focusing on me right now. God says, no, you focus on them out there. And God, in his grace, in his love, begins to do a change in us. And sometimes it's uncomfortability. I don't like to be uncomfortable. I don't like to be cold. I don't like to be hot. I don't know what's wrong with our weather in Idaho, because it seems that it's either one way or the other. I don't know where the nice 80-degree days went. I hope you enjoyed both of them. We went from 40 below zero to 100 degrees. I don't know how we do that. But the point is, is this. Sometimes in the uncomfortability, it prepares us to move, to do something. And I look at this in, in, in the Bible here, the uncomfortability where Moses was put on the backside of the wilderness trying to help his fellow brethren, they rejected him. And as it says in Acts chapter 7, where Stephen is giving that great message to the Sanhedrin right before they decide they're going to stone him to death, he tells them how you Jewish nation, it's that God's got to show you twice before you respond. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.